ladies and gentlemen, as promised, sitting down tonight with the head coach of the Halifax Thunderbirds. That is Micah Kersey. Mike, how is the evening treating you? Uh, extremely good. Beautiful day out here in Ontario. So it's uh, can't complain. There's not too many days like this left. So, uh, so I'm going to enjoy it, that's for sure. Yeah, the cold is on the way out here in Halifax. It's already starting to nip a little bit. So, you know, get the sweater out, I guess. And like you said, enjoy the warmth while it's there and the, the nice evenings. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I got to ask you, you know, the, the big game tonight, the Toronto Raptors taking on the Boston Celtics. Do you think the uh, the Raptors got what it takes to, to take it down tonight? Yeah, I think I think they got it. I mean, they're they're a pretty seasoned team and, you know, obviously they're they're riding their vets pretty hard, but you know, they have some real clutch performers on that team and uh, I can see them having a having a real good outing. I think it'll be a tight game, but I think in the end uh, the experience and talent that the Raptors have is uh, is going to prevail. Well, I'm looking forward to it, and obviously uh, all of Canada is as well, but something else we're looking forward to right now, especially here in Halifax, the buzz is already starting. Uh, the draft is next week, and obviously had to get you on to talk about the inaugural season of the Halifax Thunderbirds, and then obviously the unfinished business, they're dubbing it for next season. Um, for you, right out of the get, what did you uh, feel from Halifax? How did you like the first season? And what were some takeaways from you from season number one? Well, I, I think, you know, obviously we, we went into Halifax with a lot of unknowns, right? Um, you know, we didn't really know, you know, how the community would embrace us. We didn't, uh, you know, obviously the year before when we were in Rochester, um, you know, we struggled a little bit. You know, obviously we made some changes, you know, obviously myself being the head coach and a whole new coaching staff. So there, were, there was a lot of things that, uh, really, we were hoping would come together the way they did, and um, you know, I can tell you, I was I was a bit surprised about the the amount of support that we got right out of the gate in Halifax. I mean, obviously, we we figured we were going to try our best to put a good product out and something that they embrace. And knowing that the lacrosse community is relatively small compared to you know different parts of Canada and the United States, so. Uh, we knew we we had to perform. We had to put out a good product. We had to put out some good entertainment, you know, not only on the floor but off the floor as well. And uh, after the our little inner squad game, and we had you know a, a rafter full of people, um, it really excited everybody. And I think it, that was a huge part of how we jumped out uh, to the season with that excitement and and definitely the fans that embraced us was uh was something that was unexpected but you know really really appreciative well you know i I had a chance this season to talk to a lot of the guys from jake withers and beyond shanks and you name it um and they all said the same thing they just couldn't believe the the way the city embraced it but just the energy they said when they're on the the floor there and playing you know when they score a big goal or the, the big hit or they tie it up whatever happens the atmosphere is completely and absolutely always rocking um, for you as a coach, I know it's a little bit different behind the bench, and we'll get into your playing career in a second, but um, do you feel that as well? Do you feel the momentum shifts when the crowd gets really into it, especially right there in the nest in Halifax? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I've played in a lot of big arenas, and I've played in a lot of you know big games with lots of fans, and I can tell you the energy in the Scotiabank Centre was 
you know, on par with any huge arena that would have 18,000 fans in it, I would say the excitement and the energy that they produced was more than that. And it, you could feel it as a coach. You could feel it. You could feel the energy of the players and the the way that the, the players carried themselves on the bench when we'd score a big goal and, you know, we got that big cheer and that, that excitement and that energy. You could just see their spirits lifting up. And, you know, I think that's that's a big reason why we came back in a few of those big games uh, in Halifax was a lot of that, I think, was that was the energy that the fans gave us. No, it will, 100% it was. And one night that we can all recall hugely was the actual kitchen party. Um, that game was insane. The roof came off the Scotiabank Centre. Everybody was into it, whether you were a fan, a media member, it didn't matter. And it was all over the papers. It was all over the news. Just how great the game was, but just the product overall. Nobody I ran into if I went to a game would tell you that it was a bad experience from the music selection, from the guys on the floor, from the game being played, everything top to bottom. Um, for you, that all coming together, does that make it easier to feed it into the guys and get what you want out of them? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think our staff in Halifax, you know, Charlie, Avery, John Calano, and obviously Kurt Styers and the, and the rest of the staff there, have done an amazing job getting into the community, putting a, a good entertainment package together. You know, we all know sports is sports. I mean, if you're a sports fan, you're going to, you're going to enjoy the experience of going to a game where there's a, you know, a big comeback, but you know, it's also the experience engaging kids and engaging those fans that are really not lacrosse fans, but turning them into a fan of the sport and a fan of the product that we're putting out. So, you know, those guys are a huge part of our success and they're also it makes my job a lot easier like you said you know when you have that fan support and that excitement in the arena um and the atmosphere that you know they have been a huge part of creating it makes your job as a coach a lot easier because you know you're obviously going to game plan and you're going to you know come up and you're going to watch a video and you're going to put the x's and o's together but at the end of the day when when you're struggling and you get that little boost of energy uh, it is a huge advantage for, for us being the home team and in that Scotiabank Centre, having the energy that the fans give us. And it, it is, as a coach, you can feel it. Uh, so I'm sure as a player, they can feel it even more. Now for you, I mean, through your playing career, a five-time NLL champion, um, you know, you've been around a lot of great groups. And this group here in Halifax uh, really took the National Lacrosse League by storm this season. And I had a lot of the guys tell me that they hadn't even put together a full 60 as of yet um, just to watch and be ready when they finally do. And they were on that winning streak where they were just undefeated. Um, for you, being around so many championship teams and being a part of them and going the full distance, do you feel this squad had what it would take to drive all the way to the finals? Uh, absolutely. I, I think this was... Uh... I really do feel, and again, you know, we talked about unfinished business. We do feel that, you know, we had the squad, we had uh, the the players, and I think the the coaching staff and support staff in place to really make a good push for the, for this championship. I mean, a bit of again, when you're a part of five NLL, you know, champion teams, you've been a you've been a part of some good teams and yep. some good locker rooms. But I can tell you, this was probably. Besides my 2007 uh, Rochester team that I was a player on, 
uh, I would say this is by far the, the tightest group of guys uh, that I've seen. They hung out together. They traveled together. They really became a family and were willing to, you know, go to battle for everybody. And, you know, it's, it's really easy to say that. Uh, but when you feel it in the room and you, you feel that guys don't want to disappoint other guys and guys want to put their best foot forward to help support their other teammates, um, that's something you can't coach. I mean, it's it's something that you sometimes you either have or you don't have. I've been a part of teams uh, where we've had all the talent in the world and you don't win. And the reason you don't win is because the unity of the locker room, I think, is a huge part of success. And if you can get the guys with that mindset of, you know, family and team and working together. It doesn't matter who scores or who makes the big stop. It, it's what we do as a group together. Um, it, it is really a powerful thing. And I think we had that in the locker room and, and with a lot of those guys coming back uh, to assist here, obviously we've adding a few pieces and add, we'll add a few pieces in the draft. Um, it, it's something special. And I think we've, we've had something special in this locker room. Um, and we saw it last year, and I think we're going to see it again this year. Well, you know, I can speak to um, just the, I guess, the relationship that you have with some of the players. I mean, just getting ready for this tonight, I was looking at the exchange. Uh, I've kind of gotten a little close with Jake Weathers, obviously. He's the first guy that I talked to on here, and we've texted back and forth a few times. But just watching the interactions between you and him on Twitter, you telling him to get ready and get in shape, and <laughs> him telling you, you know, go away, old man, you know, and yeah. everybody piling yeah. on. It just it shows what the, the relationship is and, and, you know, how that bond is there. It's not just a coach. It's, you know, you guys are in it together, and that speaks volumes. And, I mean, I spoke with Paul Day of the uh, the wings and you know he was saying the same thing you you can have a team full of all great you know highly skilled players but if the chemistry in the locker room isn't there then it's not going to go very far you have a lot of egos and things to sort through but it seems like with the thunderbirds everybody's got that that gel whether it be the coaching staff with the players or the players amongst themselves and again i think it goes back to just everything being set up so well for when you guys got here that it was just welcomed with open arms and you know from there it was just rolling yeah, and and uh, like I like these guys, like I like them personally. I mean, it's it is it is one type of relationship that I think as a coach um, is sometimes difficult. You know, trying to relate to guys. You know, obviously these guys are a lot younger than me, and you know, getting on to Jake about you know playing video games in his basement. <laughs> it, it's all in fun. I I care about these guys. I like these guys personally. I want them to succeed, and, and I think they feel the same way about me. And you know, I'm always going to try and do what's best for the players and try and put them in the, their best position to be successful. But I honestly care about the guys, and I like the guys. Um, I, I get a kick out of, you know, the new generation, as questioning as they can be at times. I, I do find them, them funny and comical, and, you know, they always say I can't relate, but they know that I can, and they know that I care about them. And I think, again, when you have that as a player where you're, you're – coach knows more about them than just what they do on the floor it's knowing their their kids and their family and their their parents and what they like to do and you know having that personal connection with them um it goes a long way and i think it goes a long way for them to buying into um you know what you're preaching about and uh you know what you're trying to accomplish and i think that's that's really important uh you know a good mentor of mine and a coach that i had 
a long time ago, Terry Sanderson, who's who's passed away, but you know, really was a legend in the lacrosse, you know, community. He coached in the NLL and coached me to Man Cups. Um, you know, one time he really got into me, and and I, we knew each other, and we, you know, we would talk, and he really got into me, and I got upset, you know, I got mad, and he said, look, at the end of the day. I'm always yelling at your actions, not you as a person. So, you know, if I get you on you about something that you're doing, it's not a personal thing. I still have that personal relationship where I care about you and I want you to succeed. I'm just trying to help you and support you and try and get you to that place. So I think that that goes with how you need to treat players. You need to be respectful of them. You know, the yelling and screaming of the old days, you know, are a thing of the past. You, you have to create those relationships, create those bonds, and guys will go to wall for you. And I think my players and, and the team, they did that. And they did everything that I asked. And I, I put them out of their comfort zones on a lot of different occasions. And they always rose to the occasion. So uh, I'm very grateful to those guys and, and to my players. And uh, and it, it is something special. No, it is something special. I mean, those are actually great words to live by. I mean, you think about all the times, the interactions you have, whether it be with a boss or even a coach in any kind of sports. And, you do get ticked off at times and maybe you should stop and think about just the way you said it, you know, maybe it's just the action, not you as a person. So often we do take things so personal that, you know, it ends up driving a wedge in a relationship. So that, those are actually really great words to, to, like I said, to live by. Um, you know, I was scrolling across and just getting ready for talking to you tonight, Mike, and I went on Wikipedia and Wikipedia is not always the most reliable thing, but, um, underneath your nickname, it has the nickname of No Mercy. And I'm just wondering That's if you correct. can explain the old No Mercy Accursy. Um, well, that was uh, that was Ripper Craig uh, Rabinsky out of uh, uh, Rochester when I was playing there. He called me No Mercy. And I think it was just my, my work ethic and my attitude. I just, you know, when I played, I played for the, the front of the jersey and for my guys and um, – didn't matter. I mean, lacrosse is a tight community, and there's we have friends all over the team, you know, on many different teams, and um, you know, all over the place. And but when you play, there is no friend. The only friends that you worry about, and the only family you worry about, are the guys with the same color jersey. So it didn't matter who I was playing against. I played the same way, whether it was my best friend, and I end up having to stick him or fight him. It didn't matter because at the end of the day, after the game, I'd have a beer with him and we'd laugh about it and. I left everything that I could on the floor and, you know, there was lots of guys I think that were more talented than me, that were bigger than me, um, that came into the league with a lot of hype and I outlasted a lot of those guys. And I think the reason was my work ethic. And if I can, you know, teach anything to the players that come up in the new generation is it doesn't matter what people say about you, what people write about you. Um, your work ethic is going to determine your success whether it be in life or whether it be on the lacrosse floor, you have to be willing to do what it takes to win, what it takes to be successful. And uh, hard work beats talent every time. So you've got to be willing to work hard. And that's something that we instilled this year was the hard work and the work ethic. And that will pay off. And we saw that in games this year when, you know, we'd be behind in the third quarter and we come out and we would dominate teams in the fourth because they were gassed and we weren't. And that, that reason is the way that we practice. We practice hard. We practice intense. And uh, that work ethic that the guys put forward every single week, 
pays off. And it paid off this year, and it's going to continue to pay off. No, it is definitely going to continue to pay off. I mean, you look at the squad so far this year, and I have to ask, I've asked everybody else from the team, for you, this season, obviously, Halifax is new, but like you said, there's relationships and things throughout the entire National Lacrosse League. For you, is there a team that you get excited to play against, to go up against? Uh, well, I think in order to be to be looked at as a, a, an elite team, you've got to beat elite teams. And uh, you look at you know what Saskatchewan has done over the past six years uh, out there is you know it's phenomenal. It's something that you strive for. And if you want to beat the best, you got to be better than them. And I think you always look to the teams that are in the upper echelon of the league and you get excited about those games. Those are the teams that you want to beat. So yeah, I want to beat the Saskatchewan's and the Buffalo's and the Calgary's, the teams that have been in the championships the last few years. Those are teams I get excited about uh, because, you know, you can go and be beat up on a, you know, a friend or a new franchise. What does that prove? It doesn't prove anything. You're expected to win. It's the games that they're like, well, I think Saskatchewan and, and, and I, I'm not really big on reading what people write about our team. I know what we have in our locker room, but I always love looking at what the so-called experts have to say and, and who they think is going to win. And I, for me, that's fuel to the fire. They don't expect us to win. Well, we're going to show them. We're going to show everybody what it's what we're going to do. And I think for me, I always want to beat the best. So whatever the best team is, we got to bring in that game. And that really proves who's who's elite. And I think we're elite. Well, no, you guys were definitely elite. And like I, I let into it just a little bit ago, you know, a lot of the guys said that they hadn't put a full game forward, like the team hadn't put a full thing. And you guys were undefeated for so long. I'm wondering for you, coming into the the unfinished business, obviously, inaugural season 2.0, um, for you, what is one thing that you want this team to strive to work on to, to bring that full 60 forward? Uh, I think the biggest, and we would get out of the gate slow. And, um, you know, I, I don't know what it is that, and we tried different things, and we had some success. Um, but it was getting out of the gate slow, and then coming out of the gate slow in the third quarter. So, you know, I think we practified that that second half. Um, you know, most teams go in the locker room, they sit for 15 minutes, they rest, and they walk out, and then they're expected to get back to that, that high performance. So, you know, working with uh, our strength and condition, conditioning coach Dan Noble, um, you know, we were able to come up with a different strategy. We actually would have the guys get up earlier in the uh in the rest period and and do some you know physical activity you know get them stretching do some dynamic warm-ups do some things to get that blood pumping and get that that uh intensity back and then when we came out of the gates in the third that's when we started to take over games so for me a focus would be you know what do we do in that first half how do we get out of the gates better and maintain that for 60 minutes you know you can be a sporadic team and lacrosse is a game of runs and it's you know highs are really high and your lows are really low so it's trying to find that balance of what, what can we do to maintain a high level of intensity for 60 minutes and it's it's a work in progress and it's something that you're always going to have to adjust you know based on the staff that you have and the players that you have you know how you go about doing that and you know, sometimes you got to get after the guys, like you said, at halftime or before the game. Sometimes it's that cool disposition that that really keeps guys focused and zoned into their to their own game and to the team game. Well, maybe just take Wiz's uh, controllers away for a system. That way he gets amped up for the entire time. <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, hey, uh, you know, <laughs> video, video games aren't going to help him with face-offs, you know, and his defense. So <laughs> uh, I make sure I get after all those guys. Uh, we have fun with it, and they know that I'm, you know, putting jabs in, and they put the jabs back, and I'm a big boy. I can take all that. So. Well, with a nickname like No Mercy, I wouldn't take too many jabs, that's for sure. <laughs> Um, with, with all the players that you guys have brought in this offseason as well, it's, it's kind of bolstered a lineup. Is there one player in particular you're really excited to work with? Um, well, I think there's I, both of the unrestricted free agents that we were able to to bring in, I, I, I'm excited about. Um, David Brock was a guy that we went after last year in, in free agency to try and convince. And again, I think it was difficult for us to get unrestricted guys last year because there were so many unknowns. You know, you're going to a new market, you know, new coaching staff, all of these things were new. So guys don't like change. They don't really like change, but I think it was more difficult guys to get their heads around you know okay we're flying out to Halifax what does that look like you know what does it look like in Halifax is this going to be an empty barn so it was a bit more challenging to try and get those guys committed to come to us and you know David Brock had the experience on the opposite side being in Toronto um, and he talks about you know again the energy and excitement that that they have in Halifax so you know getting him I think was good you know he's six foot four 220 runs like a horse um, he's a great defender and, he, and he's going to give us a, a bit more size on that right side of our defense. So, you know, I'm definitely excited for, for him to work with our defensive uh, coaches in uh, Billy D and, um, and Roger. So I, I think he's going to be a great fit for our locker room. He's a great team guy and played with some of these guys before. Um, and Steph LeBlanc, I mean, Steph LeBlanc is an elite player in this league and has been for a very long time. So um, the fact that he lives out in Halifax, I think, was a great fit for us, a great fit for him and his family. And he's a guy that scores big goals and has his whole career. So to add him to a very potent left side already, uh, I think they're going to do some special things. Well, we'll harp on that on the second part of it with the draft coming up. For you, what are you hoping the team goes out and looks for? Is there, there anyone that you want, um, I guess, for a young player to bring in to kind of groom? Um, is there a position that you see that maybe be one not of weakness, but you could definitely use a, a young guy coming up that will be a part of the squad later on? Uh, I, I think it's a, it's a difficult draft to really um... – Put your num put your put your, your eggs in a basket on one guy. I think of the you know if you look at the the picks above us, it could go so many different ways. And you know, being it that uh, a lot of these first round guys are have committed to go back to school, um, it does make it a lot more challenging because you're really drafting for for future. So, you know, we have Texas coming in next year in Fort Worth, and there's going to be a dispersal draft, so we're going to lose a few guys. So. You know, you have to kind of balance it as to what we need and what we're going to lose because you, you might draft a guy that's ineligible to play for you this year because he's back at school. Um, so there's really two ways to approach a draft. So, you know, how do you impact the team right now? What guys are available that you think can do that? And what guys do you think can backfill the players that you may lose, you know, when Fort Worth gets to take a few of our guys? So. Uh, it, it's a bit of a challenge this draft. I think it's uh, it's very strategic. Um, I won't say what we're going to do, but you know, obviously, I think there's some areas that I would I would always you know you're all you can't never settle for what you have, and, and in, you know, in the business of sports, you always have to continue to strive to get better. Um, so we're gonna we're gonna try and do that, 
and uh, make sure that we're taking care of the future as well in, in you know what we think we're going to lose you know come next season or the following season. Well, I know the city's already buzzing about the draft and everybody's talking about it. So to hear you talk about, you know, possibly losing players in the dispersal draft, which you will, and then adding young guys that will be a part of the squad later on, it's just fodder for everyone right now because obviously we're all sitting on our hands kind of hoping and praying that we get to see the Halifax Thunderbirds pick things up possibly in January and get back and playing in front of a packed barn. But obviously, you know, things will uh, dictate as they will. But for you... What are you looking forward to for this unfinished business, you know, the inaugural season 2.0? Um, for Micah Kersey, what is the biggest thing you want to accomplish aside from the championship? Obviously, that's the big one, but what is something you want to have done for the Halifax Thunderbirds? Um, well, I, I think we want to continue to get better. And, you know, obviously, um, like I said, I, I don't, I'm not one to kind of sit on you know, reputation and, and what you've done before, you know, it's what have you done for me lately. So, you know, we're going to continue to try and get better. And I think we didn't even see the best of us. I think we were, we are definitely moving in that direction and moving to a point in the season where you want to always try and peak towards the later part of the season. You know, it's easy to come out of the gate really fast. Um, but what do you do at the end of the season really dictates what your success is in the playoffs. So, you know, I want to see this team get into the playoffs. I want to see them uh, continue to get better and get stronger. Um, you know, and I want to have that, that family atmosphere that we had last year um, where guys w- would be willing to go to the wall for everybody. And I think that that's so, so important uh, for a coach and for a team's success is having that close-knit group of guys uh, that's willing to work for each other. And I, I think um, that that for me is something that I definitely want to continue and continue to improve on. Um, you know, as a coach, you're always trying to get better as a, as a coach too. And, you know, how do you reach players? And every player, you know, has a different, you know, I call it a currency, a different thing that may, that drives them and pushes them forward. Some guys, you know, it's championships. Some guys, it's, you know, they, they want to be successful uh, in their position, whether it be on the D end or O end. So, you know, finding what motivates them for me is, is always the challenge because you have to motivate every individual differently. Um, you can't just throw a blanket kind of motivation on everybody and expect it's going to work. So, you know, making sure you continue to build those relationships with guys, continue to know what makes them tick and what makes them motivated uh, and using that to your advantage as a coach um, so you can motivate them to be the best player that they can be for the team that we have. And before I let you go tonight, obviously, Mike, I want to ask you this. Your playing career, you had great success. For you as a coach now, what have you brought from your playing career into coaching that was a success? Obviously, the work ethic and you know getting things done and going to the wall for your teammates. But for you, what was one thing that you always did during games that you kind of preached to the guys that, hey, this is what we should do and this should be a part of your game and your repertoire as well? Uh, I think it's adaptability. I mean, you have to be able to adapt to different situations. And, you know, coaches really can fall into the trap of, you know, they, they also have a comfort zone, right? What they're comfortable with and how they like to coach and how they like to prepare. And, and then you have to be able to adapt in game and for preparation for different teams, you know, and I look back on other things that we've done where, you know, you go to Saskatchewan, they play the music really, really loud. So it's hard to hear. So, you know, we practiced with music on really, really loud. Why? Because we wanted to be able to 
adapt to that in that type of environment when you're going into an environment where you can't hear. So, you know, it's the subtleties that you may have to do through communication, you know, with players so that they can adapt to that. So, you know, being able to look at situations as a coach, look at teams, being able to break them down different, being able to game plan properly for them. Um, I think that's a continual learning you know, experience for a coach. And, you know, I want to continue to be a better coach and a better person for my players and for my staff. And, uh, you know, that adaptability, I think, is something that uh, I'm going to continue to do. And I think that that led me to lots of success in my playing career. Well, Mike, I can say for the fans here in Halifax and for myself as well, we absolutely enjoyed the inaugural season and how it kicked off. And unfortunately, it ended too soon, too short. But we love what you brought and how you got the guys going. I uh, cannot wait to see what happens during the draft. Hopefully get to hear some things about that. But uh, I cannot wait for you guys to get back and playing here in Halifax. And I look forward to talking to you closer to the beginning of the season and seeing what you think about the squad and what the goals are and what's going to be happening. Yeah, thanks a lot for having me on. And, you know, we're just as excited to get back and get back to work and, um, you know, perform for our fans. And we want to make sure that we put our best foot forward and, we want a championship in Halifax, and that's what we're working towards. Well, I know everybody here in Halifax cannot wait to get back to the nest to see that, sir. So thank you very much for taking the time tonight. Cannot wait for the draft, sir. And have yourself a great evening. Yeah, thank you very much. No Take problem. care. All right, so as you heard, that is the head coach of the Halifax Thunderbirds, Micah Kersey, talking about the season, everything that was, and what will be going into the next season. Be sure to catch it the National Lacrosse League draft for the Halifax Thunderbirds on the 17th. Uh, between 7.30 and 8.30, I'll be joining at some point to be talking about the team and everything going on with the inaugural season. And of course, be sure to check out all the draft picks from the Halifax Thunderbirds and get ready for the inaugural season 2.0, the unfinished business. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is Offside, Offside Hockey Talk, where sports come to talk. Mm-hmm.